Welcome to episode 28 of your favorite podcast, Beers, Business, and Balls. This show, as always, is presented by Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to start your podcast today. Also brought to you in part by our friends at Dugout Creative. For the best concept merch on the market, go to dugoutcreative.com. We're going to give you 15% off your order if you use the code BBBPOD. That's triple B pod. It's hoodie season. It's getting cold here in the Northeast. It was 53 today. It was 43 in Texas today, too. You need to keep yourself warm, so go get a sweatshirt. Dugoutcreative.com, promo code BBBPOD, 15% off anything in the store. Jake Zimmer and Will Tondo, episode 28. The World Series is about to end. There's lots of college basketball news, and there's a lot of football. Um, football was absolutely mayhem this week. There was a lot of people that fell off, and there's a lot of contenders and pretenders, I think. Lots of contenders and pretenders. Uh, the trade deadline is approaching, so some of these teams will flip around. But when we head into balls, we'll talk about who we think is going to you know, compete for the Super Bowl and who is going to be... Um, you know, like Jake said, just pretending or sitting, sitting at home during the winter classic. So, uh, lots of stuff in football. We have baseball, of course, you know, as we're recording or as this episode's releasing, it'll be game six of the world series. Uh, we'll handle our predictions, but as always, we'll start with beers. So Jake, you lead it off. Wow. I, did I just get the tables turned on me for this cheers? Shit. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> um, we went to uh, our favorite place. We've talked about this, uh, you know, every single week. We're mentioning Long Live Beer Works. Shout out to them. They, they took good care of us last night. A lot of good COVID precautions and all of that good stuff. A lot of spaced out seating, which I really liked. But we went down there to go say to, goodbye to our friend Matthew, who's leaving for San Diego. Um, I had Rude Boy, Rude Girl, it's called, and a really nice can. It was good art. We didn't get the cans. We actually got, you know, a bunch of draft pours, but... I really loved it, and of course we have no description yet because Rude Boy, Rude Girl is so new, but it's an IPA, I can tell you that much. 7%. Um, Long Live makes these really hazy and hoppy IPAs. They're very juicy. Um, I got a lot of pineapple or something. I don't know what it was. I gave this a 4 or 5 out of 5. You know, And the untapped scale, as we've mentioned, it, it just hit me that we haven't really clarified the untapped scale either. So it's 0.25 increments that go up to five, you know, five being the best and one being the worst. And zero being the worst. Well, actually, zero being the worst. If you make a zero beer, you don't deserve to be on untapped, <laughs> in my opinion. But, um, I mean, while their IPAs are pretty similar, a lot of them, I, I love this. It was really good, really flavorful, and long live, long live. Long live, long <laughs> live. I mean, they continue to make some of the best beer in Rhode Island, let alone the Northeast. And, you know, Rude Boy, Rude Girl was a good one. Um, we picked up a can that they collabed with, I believe it was Lux Brewing Company. A Tox. Tox, Tox Brewing, Brewing Company. Company. Which yep. is in, uh, down in Connecticut now. And that was, uh, that was a good IPA. I had the, um, it was a pastry stout. Uh, oh, man. What was the Square name? Square Bites. Square Bites. And I gave Beautiful. it a 475. I mean, that was like the creamiest, flavorful stout I've ever had. So I really enjoyed that. But... I'm going to head over to the fruit beer because I stopped when I was in Connecticut last week at Connecticut Valley, Connecticut Valley Brewing Company, and they had a Spike Smoothie series, which was just a ton of fruit beer, and I was deciding on which cans I wanted to get, and you know, the uh, bartender there was like, why don't you get, get all eight? I was like, okay, bet, I'll yeah. get all eight. So <laughs> yes. the Spike Smoothie, it's just, it is... I want to say it's like a spike seltzer, but they're categorizing it as a fruit beer. Smooth, flavorful, uh, all bright colors, not a lot of carbonation. It was just an overall great summer drink, even though we're heading into November. But So I'm going to rate the strawberry lemonade, which was my favorite. I gave it a four out of five. All of those characteristics. I mean, you can clearly taste the fruit and the flavor from each can, and it wasn't just like an ordinary... Um, fruity beer or spike seltzer drink. But the ones that we picked up, we had that one, we had orange pomegranate, we had blueberry acai, we had uh, raspberry lemonade, regular lemonade, dragon fruit, passion fruit, peach papaya. And yeah, I mean, they were all in all just very, very great beers. Um, They're all ranging between 375 and 425, but Connecticut Valley, I mean, they had some great IPAs too. Um, They had, I think, 20 cans at the time. I only picked up 12. (laughs) 
but a lot of good stuff, and I hope to be back down there soon. Their IPA was pretty good. Um, just weird. Weird. Like, it didn't taste like beer. Yeah. I don't know what the... Like, how do you make that? <laughs> I have no idea. No idea. Um, and I mean, pretty good alcohol content, too, to my oh, yeah. knowledge. It's all like the, 6 7%. All the spiked smoothies were between 5 and 6. Yeah. So... I mean, that that was not something I expected to taste this week. They were very, very good, all of them. That acai one was really good. Um, honestly, everything they made was really good. So that was a fun experience drinking that, actually, and we're probably going to try to dig up more of those as we go on. Good guest this week. We have the folks over at Impact Snacks. They are two Bryant. Um, I want to call them alum, but they're not because um, they dropped out and they're pursuing their business full time. But we have Corey Noble and Nick Oliveri uh, from Impact Snacks on. Before we get into them, we're going to talk some business. We're going to talk some balls per usual. Why is the market absolutely tanking? Again. Um, so positive news. I, I liked Morning Brew when I was reading it this morning. Positive news has decided to take a few days off. We've got some positive news at the end of the show, though. Um, S&P at its worst day in a month on Monday. Uh, I mean, you know, you have the investors. They're awaiting the election results. And just growing uncertainty over what's going to happen afterwards, you know, is it going to go to the Supreme Court? Um, add that into a Supreme Court justice getting confirmed as well. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett is going to be the next justice, it appears, in uh, the Supreme Court. I mean, that, that's tanked investor confidence. So here you go. That's uh, Tattoo Chef lost a lot of money. <laughs> Between that and then they also stated that the rise in COVID cases, not only in the United States, but in Europe and around the world that are being reported is definitely, uh, you know, tanking the investors confidence. But I don't know. I mean, we've talked about this for weeks that it's time to liquidate, but we're hoping that there is some sort of bounce back in the next week or so before that is the case, because a lot of a lot of companies, not only SPACs, tech Everything in the S&P 500, yeah, everything's just been terrible. So invest smartly, invest wisely, and, uh, you know, you can ride the dip. We Again, we're not financial investors. We're not analysts. We're just two people that do research and well, invest in theory, we're own. financial investors, I guess. You know, we are, we're I just guess. not advisors. Yeah, amateur, <laughs> very amateur. Yeah. So. But yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, We knew it was coming. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a dark winter. It's going to be a dark winter. <laughs> oh, it is. And the debate becomes now, do you liquidate now, even with the dip, or do you have to ride out the storm? That's what millions of Americans are going to be doing right now. now we don't have answers, but that's just the debate. That's yeah. what's going on. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I hopefully <laughs> next week in our next episode, we can you know provide more insight. But you know, like I said before, just be safe and be smart with it. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, that's business. We're really we're, we're gonna dive. We're gonna have a nice conversation on entrepreneurship and business later on with the Impact Snacks guys. They were awesome, uh, really good dudes, and they're you know they're not even like twenty one years old. No, so good heads on their shoulders. So we'll, we'll give you positive business, uh, you know, insight and conversation with them. We'll, we'll save that for a little bit later. So balls. World Series is going on right now. Uh, when this drops, it will be Game 6. So if you're watching this, the Dodgers could be, or if you're listening to this, the Dodgers could be World Series champs at this point. They might not. might be a Game 7. Um, let's talk about this past week in the World Series, too. This arguably generated on Saturday one of the most wild endings to any World Series game ever, besides Bill Buckner, probably, in 1986. Two errors on one play. Dodgers are up by one run, and then they lose on a walk-off because two runs come in. And if you expected that, you're a liar, first of all. Uh, Dodgers looked pretty defeated, but they came back and won for Game 5. So now it's 3-2 in favor of the Dodgers. Dodgers win one, they go home um, as the champions for the first time in a long, long time. So 1988, I believe. Yeah, 88. So they the, went in 81 or something, too. But, I mean, it's they're overdue, obviously. They have been to the World Series, I think, three of the last four years, and they haven't won a single one of them. So you got to think that's on their minds going yeah. into Game 6. And, I mean, we always talk about how, you know, most contenders – you know, if they don't win the World Series, they're a failure. And you got to give credit to the Rays because no one expected them to be here. No one expected them to, 
you know, bring it to a game six, possibly a game seven. I think our original predictions, I said Dodgers in five, you said Dodgers in four. Yeah. Um, and now we're at game six. I, it really could go either way. The pitching matchup, what is it, Gosselin versus Snell? Yeah, so it's Tony Gonsolin versus Blake Snell. And Gonsolin's been used as a guy that is an opener pretty much. And Dave Roberts is like, fuck it, I, I'm gonna, he's going to pitch as long as we can. So this is going to be interesting. I mean, you can definitely expect a high-scoring game. Uh, all of the games have really been high-scoring. But going back to that game four where they lost, I mean, I rewatched that a few times just to like break it down in my own head. And I thought... Randy uh, Rosarena was, he fell, but I thought he was like trying to fake him out and it ended up working out well. And then <laughs> I guess in, game, so. in game five, you had Margot trying to steal home, which was just something that. Yeah, I'm not a, a fan of that. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. It was definitely not needed. No. Um, especially with two outs. But that's the way they play. They steal, they, they try to catch you off guard and they, you know for a fact they've scripted that. Yeah. You know, they, they have been working on that to try to get, especially. Clayton Kershaw, who has that big, huge delivery motion. He puts his arms way up in the air. He handled it like a vet. He stepped off the mound, threw it home, and they tagged him out. And I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, Blake Snell versus Tony Gonsolin. I don't know. I really don't know. I think if it, I'm going to say it again. If the Dodgers hit the way that they hit, they're going to win this game. You can't yeah. stop them if they hit the way that they hit. My gut says Dodgers. My mind says Game Seven. Oh, I'm taking uh, they. They went it tonight. That's what I'm. That's what I'm. I mean, I feel just the way that baseball has unfolded in this weird year and this weird season that it probably will go to a Game Seven. I don't mm. think the Rays are ready to let it go, but my gut instinct would say Dodgers win it tonight. Well, then if it does go to Game Seven, we're going to get Charlie Morton versus Walker Bueller, which that they're both at full strength. They're ready to go. I mean, that talk about up in the air. Up in the air, because you're also probably going to have Glasnow out of the pen. Yeah. You're probably going to have... I, Kershaw I, might come out of the Kershaw pen. Kershaw might come out of the pen. I don't know. Kelly Jensen hasn't really pitched in a minute. Um, they'll probably use him tonight if it's a close game. So, yeah, I, I'm i still sticking with it. Dodgers tonight. Yep, I think so, too. Um, Randy Rosarena for the Rays is going to stand in their way. He has nine postseason homers. That's the most in a postseason ever. Could have been 10, but Brett Gardner robbed him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I want to pull up to, in a single postseason, right? Corey Seager's got eight of them this year. But after that, in this list, you have guys like Barry Bonds and Nelson Cruz and Beltron who've all hit eight in the postseason, and Rosarena's right up there. And granted, he played more games than them and has more plate appearances, but like that's that's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. He has 82 plate appearances, nine homers in the postseason. He was definitely a diamond in the rough. I mean, the Cardinals clearly do not know how to ass assess their talent, <laughs> let alone keep it. Because, I mean, Randy Rosarena, he didn't do much during the regular season. He was definitely a postseason hero. But another guy that comes to mind is Luke Voigt. I mean, yep. Luke Voigt got – I mean, we the Yankees traded two semi-decent pitchers for Luke Voigt. Yeah, they did. And – um. And Shreve and well, Shreve uh, was a fucking dumpster fire. Yeah, but um, well, Giovanni Gallegos is you know he's been contributing for them. Exactly, but I mean I'll take Luke Voigt as that consistent first baseman. But Randy Rosarena, I mean, good for him. He's if the if the Rays win this World Series, you'll expect him to be that MVP. Um, but yeah, I mean it really all comes down tonight. I mean both teams have been battling. I thought it was going to be a blowout, and it wasn't. So. That's talking World Series. Yep, and we will go right on to the NFL before we hop into our interview with Impact Snacks. Um, what a weird week in the NFL. Week 7 was... It produced one of the biggest defeats in recent history at home from the Patriots, and that, oof, they're a dumpster fire now. But, I mean, you have all these games. The Seahawks-Cardinals game was phenomenal. They played 9 minutes and 45 seconds of a 10-minute overtime. That's incredible. Um, that, those are two of the best teams in the, in the league that were going after it. Um, yeah, the 49ers trouncing the Patriots. You had, uh, I'm trying to think what else offhand. I mean, the Bucks beat the, they steamrolled the Raiders. It looked like it wasn't going to happen, but they steamrolled them. Um, St. Panthers was, was a close game. Yeah, Saints Panthers went down to the end. Pittsburgh and the Titans went down to the end too. If Gustowski hits a field goal, it's different. So leaves us a lot to think about with who's legit and who's not, right? And... There's a lot to digest here. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to start at the top. The Chiefs are, in my mind, the only true contender. Um, you know, not only because they're the reigning Super Bowl MVP, uh, Super Bowl championships, 
Um, you know, they had that one tough loss against the Raiders, but the Raiders are, again, a, de- a very good team. I think the players they have, the personnel they have, and the schedule upcoming, they're just going to steamroll all the way to the top for that yeah. buy. In the AFC, my contenders, and we're talking contenders and pretenders as in, like, the top of the the top of the pile. Yeah, like that, basically who's a fraud and who's not. Yeah, you know, you know we're not going to talk about someone in the AFC like the Jets because they're. Not, <laughs> we're talking about we're going to talk about the teams that are going to make the playoffs. The good teams. Yeah, my contenders are going to be the Ravens, the Steelers. You're going to take the Browns and do three uh, three AFC North teams? No, because my <laughs> because the Browns are pretenders. Yeah, especially with OBJ out. Will they make the playoffs? Probably. But they're pretending. They struggled against the Bengals this yeah, week. Yeah, I was going to put the Titans as a contender. But, I mean, I'm putting them as a pretender. Not only with the Steelers game, because that's a tough matchup. But they kept it real close. It went to overtime against the Texans. And, yeah, they steamrolled the Bills. But uh, Bills are another team that I consider a pretender, too. I mean, you couldn't even cover the spread against the goddamn Jets. The goddamn the Jets. The goddamn Jets. You couldn't <laughs> cover a 10-point spread. Yeah, I know their division, they're, you know, in the same um, division, but still. But not only, I don't think that's the most wild stat of this whole game. You know what the most wild stat is? Is that they basically just pulled a Drew Lock and didn't score a single touchdown against no. the Jets. No. It's one thing to do that against the Patriots. It's like, okay, you know, the defense is what it is. You don't score a touchdown. It's kind of not necessarily expected, but I mean, awful. Yeah. Awful. You can't, if you don't score a touchdown against the Jets, that's very, very bad. Yeah. But. So I would say those are my pretenders in the AFC and contenders. Now heading over to the NFC, I think my contenders are going to be the Packers, the Buccaneers, and that's really it on my top of the list. I think the Saints are good, not great. I think the Seahawks are good, not great. I think the Cardinals are good, not great. I think the Bears are very big pretenders. I think they're bad, not good. You know, they, yeah. their record, yeah, they're five and two, but they got steamrolled steam by the Rams. We'll talk about frauds. But that's them. I mean, the conference to look at, or the division to look at, rather, that is going to be making a lot of noise is the NFC West. Oh, I yeah. Mean, we watched that Seahawks Cardinals game, which, you know, could have led to a, a ton of different um, opportunities. You know, the Cardinals could have won easily, but DK Metcalf stopped that Multiple touchdown. Times. And I mean, Russell Wilson, I think, threw three interceptions, which was more than he had all season. It's unheard of, and he still had a great game, yeah. too. But And the Rams are 5-2 and two after that win against the Bears. And, I mean, the 49ers are 4-3 and three in last place. And the 49ers are a hurt-depleted team, but they're still going out and winning. And I know they have a tough, tough schedule ahead, but still, they could come out. Um, it's really a toss-up. I mean, the Buccaneers getting Antonio Brown. Oh, dangerous. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. But again, that's a lot of mouths to feed. You know. Yeah, but who the hell cares? Brady's been in that role before, yeah. you know, so, and he's thrown to him before. He's had to feed his mouth. That didn't end well. Yeah. If we if we want to get technical, it definitely did not end well. Exactly. But. And I mean, the NFC East is a dumpster fire. We're not even going to go into that. Mm-hmm. It's really silly that one of those teams is going to host probably a New Orleans Saints or Chicago Bears or Arizona Cardinals. Like one of those teams is yeah. going to host, and like you know, anything could happen in the playoffs and. It's, it's still crazy, but mm-hmm. I think my only true contenders out of the NFC are the Packers and the Bucks. The Seahawks are close underneath. Interesting. All right. I'm going to start in—I'll go to the AFC. I'll just probably do one per side here. Oh, man. I'm going to say I'm not bought into the Titans yet. I'm not. I think they— yeah, and it's unfair that there's so many good teams that suck. <laughs> like, yeah. And I, I don't want to group the Titans into them yet, but... No, they're good, not great. The Titans have a lot to figure out with this team. I mean, you can't ride Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. You just can't do it. They need... Um, and, and they have decent weapons, too. Don't get me wrong. I love A.J. Brown. I love what he's been doing. I love Corey Davis, too. That's They're going to fuck that up and watch him walk out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to see more from them. I do. I need to see them win commanding games and not ever have it be... And again, it was the Steelers. They're yeah. very good. I think the Steelers are one of the best teams in the AFC. Um, I don't think the Titans are. No, I and I mean, the Titans have to make some adjustments because they just lost their starting left tackle, yeah. uh, Taylor Luan. And, you know, when you lose a, a Pro Bowl left tackle that protects your quarterback, you're going to have to make those adjustments. They'll definitely be buyers at the deadline. 
Um, it'll be interesting to see what the situation is with the trade deadline. You know, we mentioned that in the MLB, you know, how many people are going to trade players in the middle of the pandemic, but business is still a business. I mean, we watched the Ravens get, um, yeah. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? Yannick Nogoku from the, uh, Vikings. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, Probably. he's a, he's a pro bowl rusher and obviously the chiefs just signed Le'Veon Bell. Yep. Um, but yeah, the Titans, you know, they're going to have to prove themselves in the next coming weeks, but they'll probably take away that, that division by, by a, a lot. Yep. And for a contender, I guess, or someone that I haven't ruled out yet, it's a three and three team. I'm high on the Raiders, man. I am. They just got steamrolled twice. Actually. Yeah. Was it twice in a row? I don't know. Um, they're three and three. They did not look great against the Bucks, but I think... I'm going to get on my soapbox here. I think the Raiders sneak into the playoffs. They probably will. I mean, the Raiders are a good team. Obviously, you you couldn't expect much against the Buccaneers when they lost their offensive line to COVID. Um, And I believe Jonathan Abrams, their safety was out as well. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Um, But, I mean, they still have some talent. They can sneak in because now there's seven teams in the playoffs, so you never know. And the AFC, I don't think, is as dominant as the NFC right now. It's not. You know, you have teams that it's like, okay, looking at that, it's going to be Bills – it's going to be Titans. It's going to be Steelers, Ravens, maybe the Browns, maybe the Colts, definitely the Chiefs, the Raiders, and who knows if the Chargers pull out something. Yeah, or you know, maybe who knows if the Finns get hot with Tua. Yeah. And that's for another day. But <laughs> Tua Tagovailoa, um, he will start next week, which is good. I, I'm very interested to see what the Dolphins do next week against the Rams. Um, but I think the, Ra- or the, uh, the Raiders... They've got the talent in place. I love Henry Ruggs. Uh, Aguilar just had a great game the other day out of nowhere. Uh, Waller's great. I think Carr is hitting his stride. We'll see. I think I'm not ruling him out yet. Um, NFC, uh, yeah, the Giants are contenders. Yeah, no, kidding. Anybody um, in the NFC, <laughs> anybody in the NFC East. I mean, technically, will, they can sneak in. Yeah, someone will sneak in. Yep. Technically, any one of these guys is. The Giants are only one game back. Yep. I know it's disgusting. Um. <sighs> NFC is going to be really tough. I mean, uh, the Bears is a cop-out answer for a pretender, but I don't think they have it. I think they kind of suck. No. Right? It, it's... I don't know. The Bears are just one of those teams every year, ever since they made it to the NFC Championship. What was it, in 17 or 18? Yeah, it was recently. I don't you know. I don't know. I couldn't tell you anything about it. Fuck the Bears. It's like the Bears <laughs> I don't like the Bears. The Bears are falling off the trust tree. I originally said the Cardinals were off the trust tree, but that's... Yeah. I retract, I retract that. So and sorry, I mean, Arizona. Right, yeah. And that's another one that I'm going to talk about. But the Bears are... And their last five, they're three and two. Um, I'm not high on them. I'm not. Um... Yeah, I just don't think they're good. I've got no more analysis than that. And then for contenders, I'm going to I'm gonna give you two of these, and I, I will back it up with what I think is true. I, I think the Cardinals and Rams both have it. I think we've seen a lot from the Cardinals. They got off to an awful, awful start. Um, man, Kyler Murray's got the potential. After what he just did to the Seahawks, he has the potential to be a very elite player in this game. He does. And I, it, it, arguably he's already there. You know, arguably he's already in that top half of the, the group. And maybe you put, even put him in, in some polls, top 10, top 5, depending on how he's doing. I mean, know? I looked at the fantasy rankings. He's the number one ranked quarterback in yep. fantasy football. Yes, he is. That came to surprise And that's me. rightfully, he, that's earned. I mean, he's deserved it. Mm-hmm. And I think he, uh, he's he got the weapons around him to do really well. And I think if the Cardinals just pick up a couple more games, maybe they catch the Seahawks again. I think that's a, that's a potential contender right yeah. there. Um, I mean, when you give a young quarterback, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, that's dangerous. Like, that's and dangerous. arguably the worst trade of all time in the NFL. Um, again, for another day. But I, And then the Rams, too. I, I honestly, am, I've never liked the Rams. I don't just... Their defense looked phenomenal last night. I think that's a scary team to run into if you have to play the Rams. Oh, um, mean, Aaron Donald, uh, Robert Quinn... Uh, Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, their secondary is really good yeah. too. I didn't realize it. They, they, they have great, a squad. They yeah, have a squad. Yes, they have. Anytime Aaron Donald's in your front seven, that's dangerous enough. But they're good. They're good. And if Goff can just have like a decent game every time he goes out there, then fine. You know, he doesn't even need to. He's got three running backs. Cam Akers is going to be pretty good. I mean, Malcolm Brown was phenomenal last night. So sign me up, Rams and Cardinals, man. I think they're both going to get in um, if I think, yeah, that'll allow for it because you can have three teams in a division and 
honestly, I think they should just flex one of them over to the NFC East this year. <laughs> I mean, there's going to be three wild cards. Yeah. So if you if you count both in, you know, you got to assume it's either the Bears that sneak in or the Saints. Yeah. So it'll it'll come down to the wire or even the Panthers, who knows. Yeah, but. I don't know. I I'm I'm not in any position to support the Saints or Panthers right now. I have no idea. We need more from them, yeah. both of them. So we'll, 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 we will recap this after the trade deadline to see who becomes more of a contender and who is still pretending. Yeah, and that's going to be another one, too. It's who's going to add some guys, right? What guys will be shopped, too? That's something we'll probably talk about a little bit next week. But that's our part of the show, for the most part. We didn't forget any sports, right? No, that's it. We've got college basketball news at some point. Um, just It's a total mess right now, so... Uh, I'll, I'll be at Biggie's Media Day on Wednesday. It'll be exciting. Uh, can't wait to talk to Ed Cooley. Uh, hopefully we get to talk to Dan Hurley, too, and some of the UConn players. Uh, that'll be cool. So stay tuned. Let's dive into our interview now. We are talking with Corey Noble and Nick Oliveri from Impact Snacks. Really cool uh, to hear their process on how they started the business and what makes them different in terms of their packaging, too. Very exciting stuff. So... Without further ado, here are the gentlemen from Impact Snacks. All right, everybody. With us this week, we have Corey Noble and Nick Oliveri, the co-founders of Impact Snacks. And there's a lot of amazing things to describe Impact Snacks. You might have seen them on LinkedIn or on, on social media, but I'll let the experts exp uh, explain it to us. So Nick and Corey, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well, man. Thanks, uh, thanks so much for having us. Really appreciate the time, guys. Really excited to dive in. Awesome. So, I mean, first and foremost, we're going to start with the question that we love to ask everybody. You know, who is Nick and Corey and uh, how did you two meet? Yeah, yeah. So we are, uh, you know, two 20-year-olds from North Andover, Mass. Uh, and we're now living in Alston. Um, so same stage, just moved a little bit closer to the city. Um, but yeah, we met in sixth grade band class. We initially bonded over our mutual hatred for the trumpet um, and uh, spent most of our time then, one, trying to get out of band class, but two, uh, coming up with all these different business ideas that, um, you know, kind of dictated what we did throughout middle school and high school. So started a bunch of different businesses together, um, a lot of failures, a little, you know, a few successes. Um, you know, we really liked working together. We thought we could build some cool stuff together. Um, so, you know, we went to college together um, and, and that, that's really, you know, when we, we brought uh, what was actually then called GeoProtein, but it's now called Impact Snacks to Life. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. And, you know, we're, the main part of the conversation is to talk about your current endeavor, Impact Snacks, but let's like, you know, go back in time and prior to, you know, the creation of GeoProtein, you both had different business endeavors that you created. So kind of get, explain your business backgrounds and some of those ideas that you had and how those prepared you for where you are today. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so, you know, business to me, um, even like from a young age, you know, like we're we're all digital natives here for the most part, give take, you know, I, I grew up on like, you know, the Nintendo 64. And then as soon as Instagram was a thing, uh, I had it, you know, so on and so forth. And so like, you know, business to me was always, you know, a way to exercise like your beliefs, but also just a way to actually like participate in this, in this game called the marketplace. And it was just this fun, exciting way to, bring ideas to life to, to, you know, bring systems to life and, and, and everything else. So, you know, uh, I started off, I, uh, <laughs> well, my very first, uh, endeavor was, uh, I was an, uh, an author at 12, but don't, but not so fast, not so fast, even though I, I enjoy <laughs> writing, I enjoy writing today a lot. Um, you know, it's definitely like a pretty simple pleasure of mine, but you know, back then, 12-year-old, not great writer. Um, I had two ebooks, ghostwritten, um, that were like nonfiction, uh, nonfiction like ebooks on Amazon Kindle, and uh, <laughs> you can check them out right now. All about frogs and all about penguins. Not oh, very man. good. Nice. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not good. But I don't know. Kind of. It gave me a taste of you know, even though I think it cost like 50 bucks, it just gave me a taste of like, oh wow, like there's a lot more that goes into this than just like 
getting it out there to market? How are you going to tweak it? What's your feedback like? You know, it, 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 if you spend 50 bucks on it, you better be prepared to make that back. That's a concept you don't really understand as a kid, but can grow to learn. My next endeavor, um, I, I was a mobile game designer. And so I worked a lot with Unreal Engine. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's what Fortnite was made off of. Um, so I published four, I, I believe four or five crude, not, not you know, it, inappropriate, like just some, some, some throwaway uh, games. Uh, I worked hard on them, but you know, once again, it was just like a commercial failure, if you will, like people didn't want to play. And I was just like, well, I put all this time into it, effort. I learned all these skills, like who's, why is no one interested? So that was another lesson. Like, look, it's one, not that easy. And two, like you need to cater to an audience. You need to develop feedback loop, that, that kind of thing. So yeah, super. And then, you know, from there and actually during that time, of course, is with Corey, but uh, those are just a couple of things in my, in my background that uh, taught me uh, some of the harder lessons of business and how I reacted. Really. Yeah, and we can, um, you know, I'll add you to two, I'll do two other fun ones, um, just because I think they're, they're a good story. Uh, uh, There's a clothing brand that we had actually also with our current roommate, uh, Matt, who, um, and we basically made uh, activewear and we would donate a portion of uh, the proceeds to the Veterans uh, Foreign Wars Foundation. Um, the company didn't do super well and it was also at the same time that kind of, you know, what was then geoprotein was sort of taken off, so we couldn't give it our full attention. Um, and then pretty randomly, we had um, Under Armour reach out and say that we were, they were actually infringing on our trademark at the time because they had a joint venture with Champ Sports called uh, Armory. Um, so, it, you know, we, we just thought it was going to fizzle out and die, but it was really small, you know, unexpected and early win for them to just, you know, buy the trademark. Uh, so that was cool. Um, and there's, that was no credit to our actual product, but um, we got lucky there. And then, and then my, you know, my, my favorite, uh, former venture of ours was Yeezy Marketplace. And this did have a success, successful exit. Um, and basically we helped people sell pre-owned sneakers on, uh, Facebook groups and they would avoid paying commission to StockX, Goat, uh, and any other consignment store. And it grew to over 120,000 members in hundred plus countries. And it was a really cool community, um, super tight knit. And I think that's when Nick and I kind of fell in love with like marketplaces. And now the way we build every business that we're involved with now um, kind of has a lot of lessons that we learned from there, uh, mostly around community management. And, you know, it's not unique to just um, online marketplaces, right? So. Cool. Uh, that's awesome stuff. And uh, for this next one, I think Corey will start with you here. You, you mentioned geoprotein a bunch uh, in and what you've just been talking about and kind of how uh, Impact Snacks came about. So for all intents and purposes, that's really where the story starts. You know, it's, Geoprotein, um, you know, it was kind of the precursor to Impact Snacks and, uh, you know, the, from what we're able to understand here. So tell us the story of Geoprotein. What was the basis behind the brand? And then eventually, um, how did it turn into Impact Snacks? For sure, for sure. Yeah, so this is um, somewhat of a funny story only because I was, you know, I played soccer uh, pretty much my whole life and summer before my junior year of high school, you know, we, we were having like the soccer preseason tryouts or whatever. And, uh, and I was really not good. And I got cut. Like, I, I was like really bad guys. And um, anyways, it was fine. Like, I didn't like really care. My parents were always just like, you need to play one sport, one instrument, that kind of thing. Right. Um, so I was like, all right, sweet. I'm sweet. I'm not playing soccer. But then they were like, oh, now you need to find a way to stay healthy and active. So I started going to the local YMCA and um, was into like lifting for a little bit, but it didn't really ever like carry on. It's like a, a true passion. Um, but what it did is was nutrition. And, and that became like the very, very small scale, but like still low local authority on kind of like what to eat when you should eat it. And I guess I thought that if, you know, you could, you know, eat intelligently, you could cheat not having to work out. And I was half right, but um, anyway, started making like different nutritional products from, from my kitchen, um, you know, and, 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 you know, we were, I was working with Nick and, and someone else at the time. And um, yeah, it, you know, it was very, very small scale, just friends and family. And the whole point was we were going to make nutritional products with no more than five ingredients. Uh, Geo is the Greek prefix, just means over from the earth. So our whole, my whole thought then was protein over from the earth. And I thought that um, pills, powders, and capsules should be made uh, with whole foods. Um, and that's it. And, you know, it was more of a hobby then, but 
as you know, the months rolled by, we started entering into some high school business competitions. I'm sure you've heard of DECA. I think there's a DECA chapter at like Bryant. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that was my first taste of like, you know, pitching and, and making a business plan and all that. And, you know, to be honest, I had my qualms at DECA, but um, we ended up winning the, the regional competition, the state level competition and, and placed junior and senior year at the international competitions. And I was like, okay, this is really fun. I kind of want to take it to the next level. And, um, and yeah, our mission to create sustainable products, you know, was thousands of, you know, bags of protein sold, uh, thousands of bars when we were still geo protein sold. Um, and, and at a certain point, you know, I didn't consider myself a super eco-minded person. I'm just going to be completely honest when I was like really young. And that's just, just because if you don't know, you can't act. But the more I got into the business and, and kind of saw the back end, like how many plastic wrappers we were using and kind of like, I didn't even know where some of my stuff was sourced from. Uh, it started building this bigger picture that's like, okay, this philosophy we have for sustainable nutrition are going to have to apply to the broader supply chain. So that's kind of the long short on how Geoprojection came about and kind of how it um, transitioned into what is now Impact Snacks. Nick, do you have anything to add there? Was there an experience that, that stuck out that was important to you in your mind with the inception of Geoprotein or did Corey pretty much nail it there? Definitely, definitely Corey nailed it. Um, the only thing I'd add is just, you know, so many, just try to, bring as many lessons with me uh, along the way as possible and uh, definitely a ton of lessons in there. Um, I don't know what uh, we have time to, or, or, you know, it, depending on the agenda. Yeah. Pitching and in fundraising. I don't know if you folks have ever been involved in that, but uh, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely a ride. It, it sure was for us. So lots to learn there, but no, definitely Corey nailed it. So now we have Geoprotein, which, you know, you guys both decided to attend Bryant University. You bring Geoprotein there. And now that Impact Snacks is becoming a full-fledged, you know, product and concept, you decided not to attend Bryant. And we commend you for that because to, you know, step away from your education to go full-time with the company is a huge, huge deal and a huge honor to show, you know, how uh, successful and busy the company is. What are some of the things that you learned at Brian and, you know, how did the university help you? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think um, a, a lot of our, our friends, at least at first thought that we were just like, kind of like the whole F school attitude and like, like we don't need it. And it wasn't really about that. Um, like we loved the people we met at Brian and we're still talking to many of them. And it's funny, um, literally like 75% of the next few hires that we're going to make are all Brian alum. Um, and so many just amazing connections and resources that the school's generous enough to give us. And like, we'd never forget that. And we had a great time there. It just got to a point when, you know, where Nick and I were the only full-time people on the business, right? And it was either, it was so time and, and energy intensive that it was either going to be the grades that suffered or the business that suffered. And our philosophy was that, okay, school's always going to be here, but this opportunity might not. So if we're going to have to pick one, we're going with the business. And, um, it wasn't easy, but um, I think it was the right decision and, and, and kind of every day that goes by, it feels even more right. Um, so I'm sure I'll be back um, at some point, but uh, just an energy thing. And Nick, do you wanna kind of add your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, it just, it got to the point where it was literally like, which I have no problem with hard work. Corey has no problem with hard work, but it became, it became something that was wholly unhealthy. Like not only was our focus split between two vitally important things, but it was split to the point where it was like, there was no time for anything else, even eating suffered and things like that. So it's like, you know, we, we did everything that we had to do uh, to further it to a place where uh, we were left with no choice. So, yeah. And this is really interesting stuff. I've always been fascinated by entrepreneurs who are in school, right. And who are trying to balance a full slate of academia versus making money and making revenue. And what was it that kind of, I, I know you guys just kind of scraped the surface on that, you know, it was either the business that suffer or grades that suffer, but when did it get to the point where you guys knew, like, when did it hit where you kind of were on the same page and said, we, we need to drop out of school and pursue this full time. Like, was there a certain moment or a certain story that you guys have that comes to mind with that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm, only, I'm only laughing because there's just so many, um, they were not funny at the time, not even close, but they're kind of like funny now, um, like experiences. And one of them that comes to mind that hopefully can kind of um, 
shed some light, some more, some more light on what that was like. But you know, when we had finals, and this was this was May of, geez, I'm losing track of the time. Anyways, it was, it was final final season, and and Nick and I had to fly to Vegas, um, the city of sin. Uh, for a Pac-12 conference, the Student Athlete Health Conference, and this was like really big for us. It was the first time we were going to be introduced to all these cool people, and you know, meet these top-level trainers, and uh, it, it, was, it was really exciting. Um, and we were going with a pretty cool joint venture partner. Um, it was during finals week, so like I had to coordinate with all of my teachers, like, hey, like one, no way I'm studying. Sorry, I respect you, I respect the class. There's no shot I'm studying, so we're either gonna, you know, take this after I get back back or I'm just gonna completely wing it um and most of the teachers are like all right wing it so um had to do that but it was literally like all-nighters leading up to that like working like a hundred plus hours for like a week straight before we left um and I'd probably have like one meal a day and when we actually ended up going to to, to Vegas we still had tons of different work to do for school um at the same time we were at a conference so I was there trying to like sell bars and I had like you know go on a computer and kind of like send like an email so um, I'm doing a, a probably a poor job at really explaining how um miserable that was but yeah Nick Nick can definitely touch on some of those <laughs> yeah yeah you know and uh yeah so like you know I took a final like immediately before we went to Logan uh to just on, on the flight to Vegas and it was uh oh man yeah and it was a uh, it was a Thursday it was like a Wednesday nighter red eye on spirit airlines oh god <laughs> into las vegas <laughs> and we were and keep in mind you know we were 18 years old i don't know i know we're only 20 now but like it's kind of a lot <laughs> and and we 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 saw some things there it's not a very nice city we didn't go to paris you know so like <laughs> yeah i remember i remember and one I will time say it's, it's yep. even worse when you don't have money like yeah that's a money, big part geez. of it Look, man, I, so it was the, the first day we were there. We didn't, we haven't, we didn't go to the conference yet. And all day, actually, we didn't think we were going to even be able to go to the conference because our first investor, um, an investor, it was a misunderstanding. He was obviously going to pay, but we thought at the time he wouldn't because he wasn't answering. And it was just in a, it was a $1,200 uh, basically conference fee to be able to get in the room, showcase the product. And we were there with an advisor and he even cut the price for us. And we were like, hey, look, like the, the, the night of the conference, we started at 7 a.m. the next morning. Um, we didn't know if we were going to be able to go. So we thought we went to Vegas in vain. Um, and I just remember that night, like the, the low, low, low point. Uh, it was after a day before the conference, of course, uh, a day of just like getting denied from like three different networking events because we weren't old enough uh and so oh man and we were just yeah we were just exhausted we thought uh I, I thought we went to vegas in vain we were just there and it even started failed. raining so it yeah, like yeah 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 it never oh, no. rains in vegas and it just started thunderstorm like, in vegas. Rain, and we're like wow this is it this was is an terrible, omen man. <laughs> seriously man seriously and i i just remember like you know we we're absolutely exhausted and i just wanted to get a coffee at uh I just had to walk through the smoky casino. Kids with like tank tops were running around under, and like you know, it's it's Vegas. Oh, man. And um, and I go in there, and you know, I it was just a, it was just a iced vanilla latte, venti, of course. Uh, and uh, she said as she was making it, okay, yeah, that'll be seven forty-two. <laughs> and I looked at her. I looked at her at the in that night, and I just said, look, I can't pay for this, and I just walked away. <laughs> and uh, yeah. That was that was the low point for me. So well, so I guess Sounds what like I'm taking from all of this. At the time too. Oh god, Sorry, that's everyone. so funny. But what I've taken from all of this is that basically, <laughs> don't buy a coffee at a Starbucks in Vegas. So <laughs> if that's a good enough lesson alone, right? Oh man, but, so that is too funny. Yeah, that's a you know that's a great a great transition point because you know you have this story that will essentially be a chapter in a book written about you two one day. And, you know, talking about, you know, the, the story leading up to Impact Snacks, what was the transition from GeoProtein to Impact Snacks? And then a follow-up question after would be, you know, give us your elevator pitch on what Impact Snacks is. Absolutely. So um, the transition, there wasn't like this, like one, there was like a Eureka moment, but there wasn't really this one thing that was like, 
okay, you need to be 100% sustainable tomorrow. Um, it was more like, like you said, like I wasn't super eco-minded and, and this didn't mean I didn't like care about climate change. Like if someone had asked me like, do you, you know, want the planet to, to be harmed? I would have said, of course not, but I just didn't know. And I didn't really know just how bad it was. Um, so again, like, you know, we, we started noticing how much plastic we were using and um, that led us into the world of bioplastics and what that meant. And, you know, I found out what a carbon footprint was. And um, this was this was at the end of our freshman year at, at Bryant. Um, and we had just done a market test phase of 5,000 units and um, started really like quantifying everything that we had done, but not in like dollars, um, but actually in um, in terms of like, like plastic and, and emissions. And um, it just seemed wrong. And um, as cliche as the sound, there like sounds there had to be a better way. And I didn't believe that being sustainable was truly just a net negative for business. Um, I think there's this 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 common assumption that um, if you want to be sustainable, it's only going to be a cost and it's just going to be a burden, um, and that's it. And it's usually just seen as fluff. Um, but what we actually found after you know several months of research, uh, close to a year of research, is that um, if you if you build a circular supply chain, if you treat waste as a resource, if you um, you know use regenerative agriculture and you use um, you know, all of these amazing technologies, you can actually build a carbon negative product that's actually cheaper. And, and I started to find crazy things like companies that plan with climate change in mind actually produce an 18% higher ROI than companies that don't. And that companies that are, you know, have sustainability built at their core um, have lower operating costs um, and they have a superior stock performance to companies that don't. I'm like, well, why is that? Um, and there's many things, there's brand loyalty, you know, you know, there's um, just the fact that usually if, if, if a brand's sustainable, it's just historically been a more premium product. But um, at the end of the day, yeah, it, it's just, it's all about repurposing things and, um, and moving away from like the make, take and discard model that our entire economy is built on. Um, so yeah, it was just a certain point where it's like, okay, well, if we're going to be sustainable, we're going to do it for the whole company. And the whole company can be sustainable. Every single part of it is going to live this mission of circularity. Um, so that meant finding a way to completely move away from petroleum-based plastics that the entire industry uses to a biocellulose that we can actually eat. Our inks are just as vibrant as any other chemical-based inks, but they're actually made of vegetables and water. Um, and, and it wasn't easy, but the whole point is you can do it. And now our margin structure is super competitive and um, the product quality is that of any other brand, if not better, um, that you that you buy at a store. So, um, so yeah, and 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 I, I guess like as we were trying to build a sustainable product, it, it was more about like, you know, we want to make it easy. Like we still want to build an amazing nutritional product. That's what that's what our, our passion was in, right? But we just wanted to make sustainability a byproduct of it naturally. Meaning, like even if you didn't care about sustainability, you'd still consume our product because it's superior. Um, because so many sustainable ideas and or ideas for sustainability uh, end up being what I like to call the paper straw. Um, meaning the paper straw, super noble concept, but it wasn't adopted at scale because it failed to match the functionality of the product it was trying to replace, right? They got soggy, consumers were upset with that, right? So um, it had to be done in a way that preserved quality and did not force compromise. And um, I think over time that's only led to increased brand loyalty and just a huge amount of demand for, for these products. Um, and I guess it proves to customers that a brand that has a budget that's less than like, you know, a VP at Pepsi's salary can do it. Um, so why shouldn't more brands do it? And then it proves to other companies that no, you can actually be more profitable and treat our planet kindly. So Nick, if you want to touch on anything I missed, that would be great. Sorry, I was all over the place. No, that was perfect. Yeah, you know, I mean, definitely nailed it there. The most important thing is like, when you look at any business, really, like any business, it could be a startup today, could be like some sort of B2B SaaS company, could be, or it could be like some large multinational, right? Does not matter, bank, who cares? Um, you need to look at, and sometimes this isn't always apparent, and sometimes there will be layers to the onion that you need to peel back in order to truly grasp this. But really, what it comes down to is, you know, a corporate entity, it's treated like a human uh, in the eyes of the law, really. Um, you know, it's, it's its own, it's its own organization. It's its own entity. Um, and that entity has a purpose. It has a mission, much like anybody else, much like a person. And sometimes that purpose or so often anyway, you know, without going too deeply into it, these corporations purposes are fairly shallow and, and fairly predictable. Serve the shareholders, you know, extract and let's move on. Right. And uh, you know, I think, 
And I hope the paradigm is shifting and that's just what we're trying to do. That's all. Corey encapsulated it well though. And you guys just made some phenomenal points about, um, you know, I, I guess the relationship between doing well in the market and how sustainable you are for sure. Um, I'm looking at your Kickstarter right now and you guys have a whole section dedicated to consumer activism pretty much. And right in big letters on the front, there's five very important words. Your dollar is your vote. Um, then you guys go on to say, we believe that consumer spending is the strongest form of activism. And clearly people agree with that because as of today, we're recording this on October 14th of 2020, there's 347 backers that have pledged almost 41,000 bucks in the Kickstarter right now. So clearly people believe in this, right? Um, was, were you guys shocked at how well uh, the Kickstarter performed or maybe were you, did you guys have more ambitious goals than that? What was the process of going to raise that money um, and then having almost 350 backers basically hop on board with this? How, what were the emotions and, and what did you guys think of the entire process? Yeah, absolutely. So we, um, uh, being completely honest, yeah, we we had we had higher uh, expectations, but that's just because um, we usually kind of expect a lot out of out of what we're, you know, any initiative that we're uh, kind of taking on. But um, I, I think one one thing we underestimated was just how small the food and beverage category is on crowdfunding platforms, and, and you know, it's it's really big for for gadgets and, and that kind of thing. But um, food and beverage, it's still it's, it's not huge, but um, that said, we kind of had to like ground ourselves um, and, and kind of understand really how, how awesome that was. And, and I'm super appreciative for all of the support because it, I think it really is something special. Um, you know, to get $40,000 in pre-orders, I think is, is there's, we, we couldn't have, you know, in, in retrospect, like we, that, that should have been way higher than our original goal, right? Um, but, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I think that there's a whole wave of, um, like consumer activism actually also means crowdfunding, right? Because historically, like the only way to like fund a business has been through venture capital, private equity. So I think it made the most sense for us to do it. Therefore, we thought that if we did that, we'd be only further like living our mission. So, um, so yeah, I, I guess, you know, we have slightly higher expectations, but we're still um, really, really glad to have kind of hit those numbers. And I guess, yeah, Nick can kind of dive into the rest of it, but. Sure, you know, uh, they, <laughs> When we were initially setting up a Kickstarter and, and we, we've had this plan and intention months ago, um, if not more than a year ago, um, they basically said, and they being um, different sorts of advisors and different entrepreneurs that have already done this before um, in the industry, out of the industry, they said, look, look guys, food products on Kickstarter, they just don't do as well as any other things, especially gadgets and, and games and things like that. They just don't, uh, it's, it's, it's just a fact. Um, and, you know, we took that into account and we, we, we did everything we could and we collected as many emails, but what really showed up for us was the community that believes in our mission, as Corey was saying, that was the cool, beautiful thing about this. It was literally people that have, and could never have tried it prior to backing and pledging us generously that said, look, hopefully it tastes good. You know, hopefully, you know, they, they hope, I, you know. They're, hopefully they're being transparent, but this is something, these guys, this, this company, this team, they're trying to do good um, and they're doing something I've never seen before. So the community showed up and like completely humbled for that. It was super cool. And I mean, it was a very impressive Kickstarter from, you know, the viewer's eyes that, you know, don't have that background information. So, you know, very proud of you both because that is just a still a phenomenal accomplishment. Going in, because we have a few more moments left, what is kind of like the timeline that we can see um, of Impact Snacks? Like, you know, what, what do you expect to see in, you know, the rest of 2020 and then for years to come? Like, what is the vision that you guys have? Yeah, so uh, throughout 2020, we're going to be growing our, uh, our e-commerce business. So you should see us, um, you know, coming out with new flavors, hopefully. No, no exact timeline on that some new flavors, some, some cool new products. Um, you're gonna see us putting out a lot more original content. We have uh, a really awesome uh, content team that's, that's almost all students. Um, we're gonna be on platforms like TikTok, Instagram, um, 
we're going to be, you know, we have a whole blog um, with, with uh, close to a dozen contributors now. Um, so we're really trying to almost become a publishing company too, um, to realize kind of one of our responsibilities that we're deciding to take on as a company is, is, is the educational piece of sustainability. And if we want to encourage people to make more sustainable decisions, um, we kind of need to share some of the information that I wish I knew um, when I was in middle school and high school. Um, so like I said, I, I couldn't be an eco-minded person because I just didn't know. Um, and, and we want to do it in a really fun, digestible way that can really just um, be beneficial for, for all age ranges. Um, so you're gonna see a lot of that um, going into 2021. Um, we have uh, some, some cool stuff planned with Amazon Launchpad um, where uh, you know, we're gonna be, uh, we, we fit right into their climate pledge initiative um, so we're going to be being incubated by a team there um, and then, and then launched through, yeah, uh, their, that, that program. Um, and uh, into 2021, we're going to be uh, moving into some physical retailers and, um, and yeah, all about, all about growing our community. Nick, did I miss anything? Probably. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's more food, more flavors, more fun, man. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then just proving that it's possible for consumers, for businesses. That's great. That's really good. I, I love how you've taken the educational stance too. I, I really do about how, you know, if more people are going to adopt sustainability practices in their own life, they just need to know. So that, that's awesome that you guys are doing that. It's just a side note too. Um, to transition now into the forward looking, right? As a very loyal and proud Bryant Collegiate Entrepreneurs alum, I this is the stuff that I, I love to hear um, what is one piece, we'll start with you, Nick, what's one piece of advice that you can offer to anyone that might've been in your shoes, uh, and is in your shoes now, what would you say to them? Just do what makes you happy. Everything else will fall into place. Um, you know, there's a lot of technical advice. There's a lot of, uh, great techniques for pitching and a lot of tips on networking and other things like that. Just do what makes you happy though. And you will learn it if you have to, that's all. Corey, what do we think? Uh, I definitely say uh, get a bunch of awesome people around you. Um, having a great idea and, and being competent in and of yourself is like only like a very small piece, I think, of running a business successfully. Um, and I'm not just speaking from my own experience, the, the little experience I do have. I'm also speaking from, you know, all of the conversations I've had with, with advisors and investors. It's, it's really about like organizing people around a common mission. And uh, even, even the smartest, most competent, most hardworking people in the world will not be able to do anything alone. Um, and, and that kind of becomes more and more clear every day. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and yeah, and just be super grateful for the people that are taking energy out of their waking hours to, to further your mission. And the more that you take care of them, uh, the greater their output will be, period. Um, that's a really important thing. So. Awesome. Well, that is Corey and Nick, everybody. We cannot wait to follow along this journey. Um, you heard it here first on BBB pod. So, you know, when they're, when they're big and successful, bigger than they already are, you know, just remember Jake and Will talk to them back in 2020. Uh, That's to, a lock. <laughs> yeah, lock it down. To close it out, uh, Nick and Corey, where can our listeners, you know, follow along this journey and where can they, you know, find you on social media and online as well? Well, yes. Yeah, so Instagram is impact snacks, one word, I N P A C T snacks. And then uh, TikTok is impact.snacks and our website is impactsnacks.co, uh, C-O. Um, so yeah, follow, follow, follow our LinkedIn's, just our names, Corey Nobley and Nick Oliveri, and you know, we'll get a lot of the business updates there and yeah. Perfect. Well, yeah, incredible. Awesome. Thank you yep. so So thank you so much, guys. This has been great. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Corey Noble, Nick Oliveri, Thank you so much. We are looking forward to see all the great things that you guys do. And we hope you don't forget about us uh, when you guys are on the shelves of every Whole Foods, Walmart, Aldi, whatever you want to call it. But thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate the confidence, man. All right. Thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it. And that was just Corey Noble and Nick Oliveri, the founders of Impact Snacks. And we hope you enjoyed that interview because... 
we are so excited to have them on. These guys are going to be big. And you heard it here first on the Beers, Business, and Balls podcast. I mean, what they were talking about is just so revolutionary. It's so innovative. They're already talking with Amazon for 2021. Um, you know, this is a company that we hope to see them succeed. We are excited to try out their products and, you know, wish them all the best of luck because they are they are truly changing the industry and, and trying to make their part to make the world better. And, you know, it was really exciting to hear from them and two very, very smart, polite men. Um, you know, all the best for Nick and Corey. I agree. I mean... It's not every day that you get somebody dropping out of school to chase this full time. And, you know, their stories are funny. The Vegas story, I thought, was really good. Uh, We taped this a couple weeks ago, not knowing when we'd come out with it. And we figured, I mean, now now is a real good time because, you know, there's a lot of bad shit going on. Um, And they're they're making it big. They're two kids that are making it big. I got a targeted ad for Impact Snacks the other day. They know what they're doing. So good on them. And we will be following their journey very closely. Uh, speaking of more positive news, there is H2O on the moon. Yes, so <laughs> lack of positive news on Earth, so we're going to head over <laughs> to the moon. Yeah, and, does the Earth have to be the prerequisite for yeah, Positivity Corner? We're, we're, going, we're going to space. And <laughs> NASA finds water and ice on the moon in more places than they thought. So the NASA telescope uh, uncovers definitive evidence of water on the moon. Um, there's always water been, on the moon. Yeah, water on the yeah. moon. <laughs> By know, they, air. <laughs> Did they predict it? They might have. They might have. Um, you know, nothing more than, than just that. You know, they really thought that the moon was very barren. You know, there was possibly water there at one point. It obviously, the moon controls a lot of our um, aquamarine systems and, you know, the gravitational pull for the tides and such. I'm not a scientist, so just pulling a lot of that <laughs> out of my head. But, you know, the scientists found this study. This study, uh, they determined there's more predominant H2O that exists on the lunar surface rather than just a chemical called hydroxyl. Um, and it's just you know a very cool discovery. Who knows what NASA and the Earth will take with that information? But at least we know that you know maybe it's a possible source for clean water. I have no idea, but it sounds like it's positive to me. I yeah, I. I don't know. <laughs> there's, it's so funny that there's no positive news on our own goddamn planet that we have to go to. We have to go 239,000 miles away to go find it, right? Oh, man, this world sucks. If we can make it a little bit better, though, we are uh, consider our job done. We've got a lot of content. Obviously, the NFL recaps have been great from our group of writers. Uh, what do we have there? Giants, Bills, Pats, Jets, uh, Eagles. I forget anything. I don't think so. A lot of gambling content. Oh yeah, as well. a lot of of course the a lot of gambling content. Um, can't say our picks have been all that great, but whatever. I mean, it's fun to watch us suffer, right? I, I like watching myself suffer. Our our Roomba from iRobot went five and she four. went five and three. Yeah, five and three. Big shout out to iRobot too. They're gassing us up on their social media. So I mean, it's a, a vacuum went five and three. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, and how could the vacuum have predicted the Patriots would lose too? She picked Patriots money line, and I don't think anyone didn't pick Patriots money line. Yeah, I mean the big ones that the Roomba went straight to the Panthers, and <laughs> yeah, that game yeah. was very, it was very too close. close. Mm-hmm. And when we did these picks with the Roomba, it picked the Cardinals, and I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, do we pull this one? They got the Cardinals right. They got the Browns right. They got the Washington football right by a mm-hmm. landslide. Oh yeah. Uh, the Jaguars, I mean, the Jaguars came back close. They um, did. It was a shootout. You yeah. Know? Obviously, the Pats were, was a uh, you know a blowout, which should have been a, a lot closer. Mm-hmm. And just recapping, yeah, it was Pats, Panthers, and Jags were the only ones wrong. They picked the Cardinals. They picked the Lions over the Falcons, another very close game. Yeah, that was the last And second. then, yeah, the Browns-Bengals was a close game, too. But that was kind of just a recap of the entire week. Um you know, we, with our House Enterprise Fantasy Football League, the other aspect is picking, and it was very split amongst the group. I mean, there was not many locks, and everyone picked the Seahawks as a lock, too, Yeah. Um, and the Cowboys, so it really can go either way each week, and expect more content from the Roomba this week for week eight. <laughs> I am now 5-1 and one in this Fantasy League, too. I'm just going to stand up on, on there, too. You're 5-1 and one now, too. I am 5-1. I was 5-0, and oh, but... The two founders are the two best in this league. Is that collusion? Yeah. 
or are we just good? We're just good. <laughs> we're just good. Oh, we, we love you guys. We're, uh, you know, just play better. <laughs> um, so that that's our show. We have guests for the next, like, seven weeks lined up. Um, I, I'm very excited, and they are very, very good guests, too. Um, very spread out across our niches. I think, uh, I'm not even gonna, I'm not giving any spoilers, but pretty big names, doing pretty big shit, uh, and we're, we're excited to share this with you. That is our show. You know where to find us on social media. That's Will and I'm Jake. So long, folks. Take it easy. Mm-hmm.